from West to East and Kingdom to Kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel. Experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 238 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm, um, I have my, most of my Halloween decorations inside and out all up. Our court really went crazy this year with Halloween decorations. It's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, our, our neighborhood's been slow this year. Like, it's finally started to come out now, but like, I just saw someone putting their lights up earlier today and I'm like, it's, it's like two weeks. Like, it, it almost doesn't even seem worth it at that point, but. Mm. Whatever I, makes people I, happy. It makes me I happy put up, seeing it. Yeah. I put up a little more every week. So, like, you know, I put up a few last, you know, at the beginning of October. And then I, you know, then I put out the skeleton that sits in one of the lounge chairs, you know, the week after. And then this past weekend, I put up, um, oh, I put out more stuff. And then, oh, and I put out, like, my, my artificial pumpkins, that have like Jack Skellington. It's all it's all Nightmare Before Christmas themed with um artificial, you know, flickering lights in them. And then the great thing is they're on timers, so they all just go on. And I put that in my lanterns and all that. And then one of my projectors, Nightmare Before Christmas projectors on the house and all that. So this weekend I'll put out a little more, probably the big one of Jack, you know, on the hill. Night before Christmas with the pumpkins and all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, that goes at the, that displays on the second story of the house. Oh. And, uh, I'll put that one up. Yeah. And, send me um, a photo of your setup this year. Yeah. Yeah. I will. So, um, I usually post it, but yeah, I'll show, I'll send it to you. I usually have it on, on my Facebook page. But, um, and then I have, I have a couple of other little surprises. This year, a couple things that are sort of almost audio animatronic, but not quite a talking jack-o'-lantern that sings mm. and all of that. And, uh, and it uses, um, projections like on, um, like on Frozen. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, you know, the, um, Seven oh, Dwarfs Mine Train. Yeah. And, um, and also, uh, and a cat, a singing cat too <laughs> that talks that, that sounds supposedly sounds like it's from Transylvania. So, um, so I'll have those out this year. Those are new. Well, so. you'll have to report back if the, the cat actually is Transylvanian. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll see if it bites any of the kids. <laughs> we'll see. But my problem was I had to go to the Hallmark store, which is all Halloween is but a distant memory at our local Hallmark store. And, um, they, they were playing Christmas music because, you know, it's ornament premiere week and all that kind of stuff was happening. And, um, oh, I started to get into the Christmas spirit listening to, and I thought, no, no, too early. Cause if I get into it now, I'll be out of it by Christmas. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm already in deep on it. I won't lie, but I am no, still listening to Halloween be. music too. It's just, it's kind of back and forth. If I'm in the car, yeah. it's Halloween. If I'm at my desk, it's Christmas. Oh, uh, no, I can't. Not till the day after Thanksgiving will I listen to Christmas music or sometimes the night of Thanksgiving after I've, um, you know, after Thanksgiving dinner's over and when you're feeling devious. Yes. <laughs> and all that. And that's when I watch Nightmare Before Christmas is after yeah. that. So, but anyway, but that's it. But I did see the trailer drop, or I guess it's a sneak preview. I guess they're doing a, HBO Max is doing a sequel to A Christmas Story. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I remember they announced it a long time ago now. So I, I completely forgot about it though. Yeah, I hope they don't ruin the legacy of the film. But, I, um, yeah, they might. Especially because, like, is Melissa Dillon, who she played the mom, right? I mean, she yeah. retired in 2007, apparently. So they they have someone else playing the mom. And I thought, oh, I hate it when they do that. Yeah, but I mean, it's been so many years. And now that they're going for Ralph being older, because, I mean, it is it's the original Ralphie. So I can never remember his name. I mean, they Peter can make Billingsley. A, Peter Billingsley. Thank you. They they can make a hard argument that like, yeah, no, this was the same mom. She's just older. I I, I can be okay with it in that. It's it's a lot harder when it's like a, a movie that takes place like the day after the last one ended, and there's such yeah. a stark difference in with their but, looks. But the interesting thing is, this is going to have to take place in like the seventies or something. I never really thought place, about that. <laughs> it can't take place in current days. Yeah. I did not think about that ever. Huh. Yeah. Unless they just, <laughs> unless they just throw that by the, you know, throw it out with all the rest of the bathwater and say, we'll just, no one's going to question it. We'll just make it what it is. Thirties and forties in the first one. And then <laughs> all of a sudden jumps up to two thousands in the next one. Well, that'll ruin it for me right there, if, it, if it's uh, in yeah. current day. Yeah, it'll ruin it for a lot of people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, something to look forward to, I suppose. So. Mm-hmm. Well, the D23 Expo 2022 was held at the Anaheim Convention Center from Friday, September 9th to the 11th. In our two previous episodes, Craig and I shared our experiences from day one and day two of the Expo. And in this episode, we're going to continue sharing our experiences with the panels we attended on day three and our thoughts overall on the expo, some of the the larger exhibits that were there, and the D23 exclusive Oogie Boogie Bash. So, Craig, now this is the, th- this one, Sunday, September 11th. For a lot of people, this is the big one that they're waiting for. Yeah, and they that, love those parks. They do, they do. Can't afford to go into them, but they still love them. Um, and this was entitled A Boundless Future, Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products. And this was hosted by Josh DeMauro. And of course, what what is a D23 Expo if you don't, you know, have Jordan Fisher there doing, you know, singing and there was a sizzle reel and musical acts and it went sort of from started like a 2020 at the parks closing to, with and they were singing like happily ever after and all the the disney magic that people did 
during the pandemic to keep that, you know, Disney spirit alive in their homes and in their personal lives and all of that. And then, and then it concluded with all the parks reopenings. So, um, and then, and then the announcements started rolling out. So next year, they said, um, happily ever after is returning. And Josh said the lyrics are even, even more meaningful to him now. And he said, because um, fans kept the Disney magic alive at home and the cast members felt it. And so he said, this is a thank you to our biggest fans. And then he said something that I don't know if he got a lot of applause for it. I can't remember now. Change can be hard. And we we do um, we do not do it perfectly. And we know you want to be a part of it. Well, I don't want to be a part of it if it's not done perfectly, to be perf- to be honest with you. <laughs> anyway. And then uh, and then he said the D23 Expo celebrates love of Disney and love of fans. So you've been, were you feeling that love in those first two days there, Craig? Um, not so much, <laughs> but I, it's it also expose what you make of it. So if you choose to not find the love, you're not going to find the love. And I don't think I chose to find the love. Uh, maybe you were looking for love in all the wrong places. That's exactly what I was doing while singing about it. <laughs> okay. Well, then they, um, they ran through a lot of milestones that were coming up or have, were currently or have passed like, um, you know, Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary, um, Epcot's 40th anniversary, Disneyland Paris has been celebrating its um, 30th anniversary, and it will continue through September 30th, 2023, so there's still time to get there. Um, then uh, the Pixar uh, We Belong Together is a new show that's going to be at the Disneyland Paris Studios Park. Then... Um, at Tokyo Disney um, Seas, it's going to be their 20th anniversary. Um, Tokyo Disneyland is, will celebrate their 40th anniversary next year. WED will be celebrating its 70th anniversary. And, of course, the Walt Disney Company in 2023 will be celebrating its 100 years of wonder. So a lot going on. So um, and how many of these will get ignored? We'll see. Um, anyway, so Josh said that they are constantly reinventing themselves through the power of storytelling. And, and, and you know, Craig, the, the power of storytelling is powerful. And, Even when it's repetitive. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and they, he said that cast members do this every day. So <clears throat> for Disneyland, they brought out uh, Disney legend John Favreau. They said he was a huge Disney Parks fan and, and a Star Wars fan. Um, and then he introduced the Mandalorian and the child. And they came out and they said they were looking for someone at Olga's Cantina. And anyway, um, an Avengers Campus, they said that, uh, you know, they've had um, Iron Man, Black Widow, Thor, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, Loki, uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Shang-Chi. And um, so he said, Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, he, he said that Marvel has been a part of Disney for over, 
gosh, over, I think, is it eight years? Over 10 years? I can't, I can't read what I wrote here. Uh, it's 10 years. How long Kevin Feige's been a part of it? Well, uh, Marvel. How long Marvel's been a part, oh, part. Um, of Disney? It's, well, yeah, somewhere around eight, maybe. I don't, I don't yeah. know now, too. I feel I like know. a terrible fan. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well. And then there was a live stream with Mark Ruffalo. Um, he asked to, um, they should refine the color palette with green. And then they had this, this Hulk walk around character came out at stage, came out on stage. And I, I'm not, and Hulk was wearing his, um, was that the outfit from one of those, the Avengers movie when they had the big fight? Yeah. I it, what it was it, called. It, the costume was part of the, the end game outfits, That's it. the white sleek costumes and, you know, obviously, this is another one of the uses of their Project Exoskeleton and mm-hmm. of oversized characters. Uh, but, you know, they still have the issue of his face and talking, so they hit it behind a helmet. Not that people care. The fact that people can take a picture with an oversized Hulk would be good enough. But then they had to overcomplicate the costume to try to sell it in the land so maybe it was a little too early uh and a little too complicated compared to all the other characters they've added in the marvel universe but i mean exciting i mean disneyland kills it like finding out that the hulk was going to be there was a huge thing finding out mandalorian and, and grogu being in star wars galaxy's edge a big thing like disneyland just they get all the best character meet and greets even even when they don't look at that great yeah, yeah. So they said that he would be at Avengers Campus the following week. And I did see a lot of people posting video and photos yeah. of of that. So um but they said the vision for um Avengers Campus is one for heroes, villains, stories and and all kinds of things. And it's the Metaverse saga has inspired a new attraction. So it's replacing the attraction that was formally announced as part of the Avengers Campus expansion. So, um, where, you know, the Quinjet was sitting on that building. Well, now we're going to, guests are going to be able to battle alongside all the Avengers against all the villains and King Thanos. And this is the Thanos that actually won. So the Avengers are not too happy and we help them. And he said, everyone gets, and then we all got a print of the ride vehicle with the characters, which I, I'm sure, I mean, that was artist concept. I'm sure it's going to look nothing like it in real life. But, um, so what did you think of that? The, the new, the announcement for the new attraction. And that's all we got. There, yeah. there are virtually no details. Now, the, uh, I mean, the idea of it is great, but I'm, I'm still not sure if we're going to see this one through to the end so i'm not getting my hopes up on it well after the 2019 expo where so much of what they announced was canceled yeah i I don't get my hopes up for anything and the fact and this is going to be a recurring theme the fact that no details at all were announced for the attraction other than some concept art that and that it was one piece of art you know, it always leads me to believe, huh, you know, how far deep are they into this? So, I don't know. Then everyone got really excited for for this next one. And I thought, you know, I think 
actually making a bigger deal out of this than it really is. The Pacific Wharf is being renamed to San Francisco. Is that how you say it? San Francisco. San Francisco. I will never get that. (laughs) Right. And and of course, it's a big Hero 6. It's going to be themed. This is basically redoing the facades and the bridge. And there'll, there'll also be a Baymax meet and greet. And this is, again, it's under development. So, yeah. but peop- I think people thought there was, I don't know what they thought, but, uh, you know, and I think that some of the um, vendors are going to be replaced there. And, um, which I, I hope they don't get rid of. Uh, I know some are being renamed. They've already, I think, announced a couple of renamings. And, um, as long as the, I don't know what the, uh, they, like they announced the new name for Pacific Wharf Cafe. As long as they don't get rid of those bread bowls, you can name it whatever you want. Yeah, that's how yeah. I feel. The food in that area is also good. Just don't mm-hmm. mess with that recipe. Call it whatever you want. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And and that was it. And, and people, I don't know. I think people thought there was going to be an attraction or something. And I thought, it's not that big a deal, gang. Anyway. I would have um, liked but one. It, <laughs> Pardon me? I would have liked one for that area just because it's, it is, uh, I perfectly understand and accept the fact that it's essentially a food court area of the park and that's what it excels at. But, uh, it, you know, Big Hero 6 is one of those, uh, one of those movies to me that has been ripe for an attraction. For I agree years with you. Outside of the one in, I think it's either Tokyo or Hong Kong where it's Mater's, but with Baymax, like that's, that's mm-hmm. not enough. They could, they could, that's a, that's a, a movie that they could make something really, really cool from it. And, you know, you're putting, you're putting a theme into a land, but then leaving out an attraction, that's kind of a missed opportunity. Well, we're going to see a lot of missed opportunities here as we go along. <laughs> and, um, Anyway, yeah, I agree though, because that, that, that group of heroes with Baymax, easily you could continue their story mm-hmm. in an attraction. So, um, I, I would love that. Uh, they said the Paradise Pier Hotel will be, um, redone and renamed the Pixar Place Hotel with a retheming, and that, that is underway. They've already started that. So the exciting thing is, I believe they're putting the restaurants back in. To that hotel. Yeah. So, needed. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> um, they said uh, downtown Disney, over a dozen new and reimagined locations reflecting Southern California culture will be there. And I think there is movement. Uh, I think construction has started again, or at least moving dirt around has started since the 23 Expo. Um, and then they talked, I am not familiar with this, but Boy, did people go nuts. Porto's Bakery and Cafe will be coming. And I guess they serve um, Cuban food and sweet pastries. And we got, actually, I thought they were very generous with this. One of the things that we got on our way out was a pastry box with four pastries in them. And these these were good-sized pastries. And I had them the next morning with tea for breakfast. They were delicious. Oh, they were fantastic. I We didn't get to eat lunch, didn't have time really for anything. So I think we just had like snacks in our bags. Uh, so we devoured 
<laughs> the the snack box they gave us as soon as we got out and having it as fresh as they could be in that setting so so good I, I i totally understand it and just from you know talking to uh locals and people that i know who are obsessed with it you know they all said that it's it's absolutely incredible it's it's one of those places like you have to go to in southern california it's just the reason they're all so blown away is because portos or whatever it's called is known for uh, being very fair and generous with their pricing. And that's something that's completely oh, wow. against Disney. So uh, time will tell if uh, they maintain the same pricing structure. But that's apparent on top of it being delicious. It's also that like it's actually really, really cheap to get pastries and, and hmm. food and really holds up. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'll. I'll eat that entire pastry box again. If they if oh, I can yeah, have it right too. now, sign me up. Me too. Yeah, I will expect long lines then. But I'm looking yep. forward to it. Um, they announced that Run Disney's coming back to Disneyland in 2024. A lot of people are very excited about that. They and then they talked have, about... <laughs> they must have finally worked out something with Anaheim to not have them all hacked off at the fact that people are running all over the streets of Anaheim. Well, you'd think that would bring in a certain amount of money to Anaheim. I'd imagine. So, yeah. Yeah. And they're probably hurting right now post pandemic. So anyway, Mickey Mouse Railroad, of course, we all knew it was going into Toontown and it will be adjusted to make it special to Toontown. And, um, and we'd already know that they showed a few, uh, some concept art to it. The queue is going to be different. It's going to celebrate all things Mickey Mouse from Steamboat Willie to the Mickey Mouse Club because that's sort of the era of of that. And and then Kevin Rafferty and I talked about this and they talked about Pacific Northwest Mouse Meat in his talk and all that. They um <clears throat> with the, with the one of the project managers is that some of the scenes are going to be restaged as well. Um, because this building is purpose built for Mickey Mouse Runaway Railway. I don't know if it's how noticeable it'll be to us who have been over at Disney Hollywood Studios, but I'm looking forward to it. Since, of course, this announcement, um, it's been announced that, that this attraction is going to open early before the rest of Toontown. And it's sort of going to be one of the anchors of the Disney 100 Years of Wonder celebration. Yeah, well, and let's hope it works, though, once it opens. It's not just constantly yeah, down they don't, all the time. I hope they don't rush it in order to meet a date. Because whenever they do that, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, which, I mean, you kind of feel like that might be the case in this one. Uh, you know, they couldn't, they wanted to start the the 100th celebration as fast as possible and, and get it going in January. But yeah, they... I I feel like it makes it seem like a bigger party if you have an attraction to go with it too on top of the the nighttime shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Donald's boat is still going to be there in Toontown. I think it's going to be surrounded by splash pads, things like that for the little ones. Goofy's playground is going to be a sound garden, so that intrigues me. Cause I think that's something I would enjoy. And then they talked about Tiana's Bayou Adventure coming in late 2024. And, um, Carmen Smith and, and Ted, um, 
Oh gosh, can't read his last name. And Charita Carter from WED were there. And um, they talked a bit about it. And they said it picks up at the end of the film when Tiana, when, when Tiana opens Tiana's palace. It's 1927. And she's an entrepreneur and a community leader. And she's hosting a Mardi Gras party, but realizes something is missing. And so she and Lily go on an adventure. And I thought, I can't imagine what's missing if your adventure is in a bayou. But anyway, Charita said the attraction will be gorgeous at night. And there's, there's going to be digital anim, um, animation and lighting and mist. In uh, It'll be true bayou magic. But this is an example. When we saw the the model for it, it definitely is something that did not match the gorgeous concept art for um, the attraction. You know, it doesn't have the big tree with Mama um, Odie's boat in it and all that that was in the concept art. No, but I, I mean, at least with that, though, we knew that the concept art was rushed and yes. was something they just wanted to get out there. So... I, you know, I was always optimistic with it and hoping for the best. And, uh, you know, after seeing the model at that point in time, you can really start to make make some better uh, judgment calls about it. But it's it, Disney concept art changes all the time. So I never thought that it was going to look like it all the way through. And the what we saw from the model and the updated concept art, like with the video that they played over top of the model in the the parks exhibit, yeah, I, I think it's going to look pretty accurate to to that look. Yeah, yeah. Except I really wanted that tree with the boat. I just thought it looked so cool. Anyway, but anyway, that they want the attraction to be a love letter to New Orleans, inspire you to want to visit. And they're working with local, local artists for inspiration. They said food will come to life um, at Disneyland also. So they said, um, let's see. They said uh, several of the film's original cast will lend them lend their voices to the attraction. And, um, and yeah, and so it's all, uh, so it's, and then there's going to be, um, there, there'll be some new songs as well as, you know, our favorites and things yeah. like that. And, and there'll be some new, new critters as well as, you know, they said the music will be very important. They said Disney legend Anika Noni Rose, um, will be, um, will be, of course, voicing Tiana. And then they did a wonderful, I love this number, musical number almost there and dig a little deeper. Two favorite songs from it. And again, this is where I thought they were going to say, oh, and they gave us, you know, little, when we came in, they gave us little towels or something to wave during the musical number. I never took mine out of the bag. No, but mine's (laughs) still in it too. Yeah. But, but I thought they were then going to say, and if, because it was such an elaborate number, I thought they were going to say, and if you like this, over at Disney California Adventures Hyperion Theater, we're going to do Tiana live on stage. Nope. 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 <laughs> no announcement. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you thought they were going to do it for that. You thought they were going to do it for Rogers, but you didn't think they were going to do it for Jordan Fisher and Happily Ever After and a new brand new musical <laughs> called Happily Ever After the Musical? No. No? Okay. No, I didn't. But 
<laughs> Maybe that's what we'll get. Well, <laughs> so, they're gonna once once they bring back that song at Walt Disney World and people lose their minds forever. They will find a way to try to beat it into us in every facet of Disney, including Disneyland, even though it was oh, never yeah. ever there. <laughs> well, that happened with us with you know believe there's magic, whatever. Yep. We had we had wishes yep. in it. Yep, and they they worked it in really well. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, they said. Oh, then we moved on to sort of Walt Disney World. Um, there's going to be a new nighttime spectacular for Epcot to celebrate the hundredth anniversary um, next year. It's under development, so of course we have no idea what it is. So, does that mean the barges, the harmonious barges, are already going to end up in the scrap heap? I have no idea. I mean, it could mean that. Uh, you I know, there's, can't believe it. <laughs> there are some people that say it's, you know, that Epcot Forever is definitely coming back. Maybe that's been announced and I completely missed it. And that would make it very hard to run that show with with barges and such. But uh, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm indifferent to it. I don't mind the barges. Disney gave up a long time ago on... You know, trying to make sure that every part of the park looked as beautiful as it possibly could and all made thematically sense. So for me, the show, I didn't enjoy it at first and it's grown on me. So I really, I really don't care about the barges. And if they can help to tell a better story, then I would rather see them part of it. But that's just me. I know I'm in a very minority opinion on it. I, I would be shocked if they got rid of them, but they'll monetize it somehow. They'll sell pieces of it on a pin or something. <laughs> but um, I, I just can't believe they're getting rid of them. I think they're going to incorporate them into this new show. And yeah, and then when the new show is done, they'll bring back Harmonious. Yeah. I, I think they just put too much money into it. And I, I as you know, I'm not as much of a fan of, of Harmonious. And but I would like them to retool it so that you can stand anywhere around the lagoon and yeah. see it instead of basically two places. Yeah, or they need to just get rid of the ring float in the middle, which I mean I know that's the showstopper of it. Uh, you get rid of that, and then all of a sudden it's kind of fair game all around. Everyone has little eye drop things to see, mm-hmm. or what they could have done from the beginning if they had really thought about it. The giant ring barge in the middle make it you know actually cubed so that way it had four different complete sides to it and then it wouldn't matter because i've watched it off to the side like you know japan further down you can still see what's happening in the ring from an off angle but you know if if you're off on the left or right side of it you can't see any of it at all so there's they could have done things to fix it if they really wanted to mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think they could have, too. So, But anyway, and it's not the first spectacular that was only um, visible from two sides. Some of the earlier ones at Epcot were that way, too. But I don't know why they took a step backwards in doing that. So, Anyway, then they talked about that journey of water inspired by, by Moana that was announced in 2019 and it will be you'll be able to interact with water and find it has a mind of its own that's supposed to open in late 2023 then okay this 
really ticked me off. They then made a big deal out of the character Figment and all this stuff and how he needs to get his due because he was there, you know, he he was created for the park and all that stuff. And we were waiting for that big announcement that the park, they're finally, finally going to update that Imagination Pavilion and give him a decent attraction? No. No. He's back as a walk-around character. Mm-hmm. And they did and such a build-up to that. I thought, really? Yeah. Well, technically, we, we can't even say. They said he's coming back as a meet-and-greet character. They didn't say if it was going to be small-sized oh, figment, right. if it was going to be large-sized figment. So... We don't, we can't even say he's going to be a walking character. It's it's all it's all out there. It's uh, you know the biggest criticism of this parks panel is that I am so tired of Disney not just stating what they're doing and being clear and blunt about it. Like as you just already talked about with the Princess and the Frog attraction, they didn't say anything new. They're just repeating it, and then they're giving vague details to the point that you're, like, confused. Like, okay, so is there going to be a new restaurant coming with this? Is it just going to be a quick service? What What's actually happening with it? Like, with this figment, it's meet and greet. Well, what kind is it like? We're, fans can get excited about stuff even when you level with us and tell us the truth. Don't be vague. Just say, this is what we're planning, and this is what we hope for it to be. It's in the early phases, so it might not actually come to fruition, but this is the current plan. And just leave the vagueness out of it. What What do you think that they might be changing the Blue Bayou to Tiana's Palace? Oh, they can't, they can't do that. They can do anything they, they want they because they don't can, care. I don't. Th- I think that would be one step too far in terms of just being like nonsensical. Because if they ever made a Tiana's Palace, they, you need Tiana in there and you need singing and and fun, and that can't. That just wouldn't work in there. They would. They wouldn't care. They would do it. <laughs> there used to be music up on that um, that second floor porch in. Um, in the blue bayou, they could put someone back up there. Uh, well, and do it. They could have Tiana waving every once in a while, like you know how the beast comes running around over over at the be our guest over in the Magic Kingdom. She could do that. Well, I wouldn't put it past them. I would not, Mark. Just like I said, what are they going to do at the French Pavilion? Someday they're going to have that Beauty and the Beast sing along, uh, and and it's going to be that's when they hit their low. Okay, here's the new low. They are going to retheme Blue Bayou to Tiana's Palace. Well, I hate to say <laughs> that you probably could be correct with it, but I don't. I don't ever want to see that day. Let me at least. I don't eat either. There once. I don't either. But they they did talk about how food's a big deal. There's no room for another restaurant in there. They they could you know, they could retheme the the um. French market where you get the bread bowls or something or you know or maybe French market or something but um or cafe Orleans but those are tiny places yeah so, I mean they can maybe maybe really uh, 
I think they could they could find a way to work it with French Market and the fact that the beignets are already there. But it's then you take, as you said, that tiny, tiny area and you have now made it an e-ticket place that everyone wants to mm-hmm. go to because it's new and shiny. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. They already can't but, handle the crowds there. <laughs> but years ago, they would have um, I forget which jazz group it was. It was like, listen to them. And they used to have a singer there. And it was, I believe, once in a while, I think it was the same woman to, that was a friend of Tiana's. Mm. She had a gorgeous voice. And, um, but she, um, she was just a jazz singer. And, um, they could bring that back and have Tiana perform. Yep. They could. So. You know, and she could be more in the 1920s outfit, not her big, um, hooped princess outfit because they'd have to take out half the tables there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I am, but I, I just, I'm ex- hoping for the best and expecting the worst because <laughs> look what they did to that window at, in Club 33 that drives me nuts every time I pass by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good uh, good way to live your life when it comes to Disney. <laughs> anyway, then we moved on to the Magic Kingdom, uh, and we talked about this last week. The Hatbox Ghost it will be in the Haunted Mansion at the Magic Kingdom next year. People were excited about it. I thought, yeah, he belongs in the Disneyland Haunted Mansion. There must be some story that they could put in that's different of the different character over at um. Over at the Magic Kingdom. And um, they said that uh, there's a new game, Tron Identity, or something that's coming. I, I don't know what I wrote about that. And and then, of course, the Tron Light Cycle Run. They gave us a little sneak peek of it. Most of the sneak peek was of Josh DeMauro's face riding it. I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for the sneak peek. Right. Anyway, that it's a- at, at least he was very upfront and said like he he bragged about it and he basically acknowledged like yeah I I get to do some cool things with this job so I I can't yeah. even be mad at him. <laughs> I can. I thought what a narcissist. Anyway, that opens in spring 2023. <laughs> so they say. Disney Cruise Lines, they announced the name of the sixth ship, the Disney Treasure, and it said it's going to be a new design concept, which has me worried after what I've been hearing about the Disney Wish. Um, they said that the theme is adventure, celebrating Walt's love for exploration. So, um, so Jasmine, Aladdin, and the carpet will be in the Grand Hall. And it's the, I guess the Grand Hall uh, is going to be inspired by Asia, Africa, and Agrabah. So two real places and a fake place. And then um, at the heart of every adventure is a treasure. So um, they talked about that. Have you heard the rumor that it was on the interwebs a week or two ago, but it didn't seem to catch a lot of traction that I guess there was a crew uh, when a, um, Shipyard went out of business. There was like the world's largest cruise ship was under construction and like close to completion. And so it was, people thought it was heading to the scrapyard and the rumors started circulating in Germany that Disney is looking at potentially buying that ship. 
I, I did see that, and I, you know, I don't know what to believe with it. Uh, it would be huge. And it seems, I, I personally, the thing that keeps me from believing that is I think Disney doesn't want those mega ships because it's a lot to handle then. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people you need to work on it. It's, uh, it's, there's a ton of issues that come with those mega ships like that and i mean you're you're talking about a big giant area that needs to match your level of service every single place of it and it seems like something that well i have no doubt they could handle it 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 would be a bold move for them to want to go in that that realm so i i think they're content with what they're already used to but i could i could easily be wrong yeah they have to rebrand it too completely you know, because yeah. you know that thing is not themed. Exactly. And they're known for their theming. I mean, the state rooms would have to be redone. I mean, everything would have to be redone. Yeah. So, it's um, <clears throat> it, but you know what? Pigs can fly now. So it, anything can happen. That's true. That's true. So um Pigs can fly. Is that a, an Orlando thing? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I saw them flying the other day. So it's. Oh. Was that in Hurricane Ian? Yep. <laughs> like, oh, okay. All right. Well, the, I hope they are okay or, or they're on your breakfast table, one or the other. Um, Disney Wonder will go to Australia and New Zealand in October 2023 and Fiji and Samoa. This, this cruise actually intrigues me. So I know people going on it. So already, going, at least going on this itinerary. So, um, and then they talked about the new island. And okay, this is where one of my predictions had, okay, maybe I'm off of Lighthouse Point. I was sure once they got Joe Rody out of the way, they were going to completely get rid of his cultural theming and, um, and put in Moana and, you know, every, every water, you know, any, any Disney theme that was remotely near water was going to be thrown in there. But no, they are keeping it. They're keeping the original story about how it's inspired by stories of the Bahamas. They said 90% of the power would be from solar energy. They said it would be an authentic experience with Disney magic. And, um, and, and it, and, and that we will be able to learn about the stories of the Bahamas and, so I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm very happy to do it. And I'm sure there'll be characters and Disney theming sewn in, but I am glad they're keeping the cultural aspect of it. We think they're keeping the cultural aspect of it. <laughs> the concept art also showcased that it could just look like uh Caribbean beach as well too and be just, you know, a stereotypical Bahamian Caribbean that style so uh-huh. I'll, yeah, I'll believe that's it true. I'll believe it all when I see it you know there's no problem with leaning into that but uh, don't don't try to like pat yourselves on the back saying that you're respecting the Bahamian culture when you're not so we'll, we'll just have to see what happens yeah yeah that's true I hope though I hope that they they pull it off correctly but you're right. They could just pull out the blueprints for Caribbean Beach Resort and say, okay, what can we do with these? Yep. <laughs> so, to cut down on costs. So, okay. 
Shanghai Disneyland. Um, they talked about Zootopia, tremendous amount of information on that. The Zootopia Police Department is the entrance to the new family attraction, which is under development. <laughs> that was it for that. So, um, so I thought so, the animatronic that they showed us from Zootopia looked amazing, but yeah, that did look cool. You're, you're right. I forgot about that. So that, that, that was neat. So, um, and then they talked about Duffy's new friend, Lena Bell, who's a fox who loves to solve mysteries. And I thought, how curious that they're still really into this Duffy thing. Well, synergy. Duffy and Friends will star in a six-episode series on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be a stop-motion, um, you know, um, series, which I like stop-motion animation, so it'll be Me interesting. Yeah, and I um, th- mm-hmm. Don't care about Duffy, though, but I'm interested in, in the series. Yeah, I have all the Duffy and Friends characters, because they were selling Lena Bell there in one of the shops, so I, I got her, so... Anyway, um, anyway, and then we all got, again, we all got another prize for being there, uh, a Lena Bell pin, um, that is going to be sold in the Asian parks. So that was pretty much it for Shanghai. No, um, that was it. It's, um, it, I, I wonder as the, um, political climate changes, is Disney going to have problems maintaining Shanghai? So, um, It'll be interesting just to see how they navigate that. Yeah. Speaking of which, Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, they showed a new statue of Walt and Mickey Mouse on a bench as a tribute to Walt watching his daughters in the park. And they got their inspiration and getting his inspiration for Disneyland. You know what? When I, okay, compare this statue with, um, the statue of of Walt that's going to be at Epcot at a storyteller's point. How do these compare to you, Craig? I don't remember this one. Oh, this one, I thought the Hong Kong one was lovely. I thought it was vastly superior. I remember they gave us the artwork for it, right? They did. We got a print of the statue, a small one. Let me look but at, oh, I with the bench, was, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice. It, it's a nice one. Yeah, a whole lot better than um, the the one for Epcot, where yeah. <laughs> somebody texted me and said, "Okay, th- th- they dared me to get a roll of toilet paper and put it there and be photographed with it." Yeah. <laughs> that statue. Dreamers so. point Walt on the toilet. No, the Hong Kong one looks a uh, looks a lot better, but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully the sculpt is done well because you know, of course, drawn as a cartoon, it it doesn't look that bad. But I I mean, to go into the the parks pavilion where they actually had the real Walt the Dreamer statue there, uh, looking at it like it, it was very detailed, but. I, I don't know. I didn't. It's, it's still an awkward position. Yeah. And it might be the fact that it's going for older Walt versus the Hong Kong one that looks like it's going for a little bit more like, uh, you know, Disneyland open time period Walt, or maybe even a little bit earlier than that. So he's got a little bit well, more youth in him. A little. I remember he only passed, he passed away only like 11 years after Disneyland opened. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we can change a lot in 11 years. I know he, that. He partied but. hard in that 11 years, though. <laughs> well, he worked hard, that's for sure. But um, anyway, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't as impressed with the Epcot statue that we saw in one of the pavilions. Yeah. And and then they talked a little about the Arendelle area that they're building. There's going to be a wandering Oaken's um, sledge attraction in and that's opening in late 2023. And I think this is, I don't know, I think this is a variation on the Snow White. Uh, I'm sorry, on the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Mm-hmm. Is that the impression you get? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So that and that was it for Hong Kong. So of course they did get a new castle a while back. So yeah, they they've gotten enough. <laughs> Disneyland Paris. Um, of they're building an Arendelle at the Studio Park with a new promenade to the Lakeside District with um, a family themed Tangled attraction, but they didn't say what it was. So I'm glad it's family themed and not adult themed. Yeah, that, um, that would be a little too far. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it means that it's going to be probably just, you know, a roller coaster type of thing. Is there, was there like a roller coaster opportunity in Tangled? I don't think so. Maybe it'd be a water based attraction. Yeah. Wa- water works. Water works. Yeah. Uh, roller coaster, that's a little harder to stretch. Yeah. And then the Disneyland Paris hotel rooms are being rethemed to Disney princesses, and then that'll all be done in 2024. Yeah. So, um, so that'll, that should be nice. Um, Tokyo Disney Sea, um, it's going to be the eighth, um, port of call. Um, let's see. Tokyo Disney Sea, their eighth port of call is Fantasy Springs. It's going to have, um, Peter Pan area, Arendelle, Tangled, and they gave, um, and then, a ho- and then there's going to be a hotel and they gave a little preview of, um, sort of Elsa in, in the attraction there. And then they, then into, and then they did, um, an into the unknown performance in, I thought this was really neat. That performers come out and they performed it in Japanese, Cantonese, and French. And I really liked this performance. Yeah, it, was, it was a beautiful performance. It was uh, mm-hmm. really moving to see how they weaved in and out of the different, you know, different performers and their their native languages. It, it it was really really nice. Yeah, yeah, and and I did not expect them to announce that this would be in the Hyperion. Theater. <laughs> so. <laughs> And then for Tokyo Disneyland, well, this is an amazing feat, how Space Mountain is going to be completely reimagined, and it's going to anchor a new plaza with um, nighttime lighting. So, and the concept art for it looks very impressive. We'll see what what comes of it. But that's amazing. I mean, this is a significant change to that attraction. Aren't they actually moving it? I feel like you might be right about that. Yeah. And um and then they talked about how Imagineering dreams up new possibilities no one will even try. And then okay, and then this is the section that I don't know if people misinterpreted it, people got excited, people got angry, but this they had a discussion about the future of the parks, the blue skies. These are the things we talk about. Maybe we'll do them, probably not. But we want to give you an idea of the things we talk about. This was filler. 
because they basically, that was it for announcements, kids. And there wasn't a lot to announce. And so, um, so I, I mean, so they got into this and I think at one point I stopped writing because I thought, what is this? And, um, so anyway, so they started with Animal Kingdom. So he said Josh was involved with the planning of the Pandora transformation and for the park. And he wants to transform Dinoland, which I wholeheartedly agree with. And so some initial ideas. So they had Chris Beatty and what, and Wed's Jennifer Lee, um, from the Walt Disney Animation Studios come out and Jennifer, likes to see characters that they've created come to life in the parks. And it's overwhelming. Um, and they love working with Imagineering. It's like being in story rooms and, and seeing where the stories take us. So Animal Kingdom is focused on animals and nature and how it's transformative. So they thought, well, you know, if maybe, perhaps, we're thinking about it, but not really, but sort of, but could be, um, there's a Zootopia where we travel through, you know, we travel through districts in the film, but there's others we haven't seen yet. And, you know, there's that idea of connections to nature. And they showed little pictures and things like that. And everybody gets excited like they've actually announced something that's meaningful. And then they talk about, but wait, there's Moana connecting to nature and and to heal her people. And they showed some concept art of what a Moana land could be and all of that. And then what really got me is, what do you see on other, on some of the fan sites that this stuff was really being built? And I thought, did, did I miss something? Did you miss something in here? They made it very clear we're in fantasy land with this stuff. Here. Yeah, but people are so desperate to want to know what's happening, especially like, with the Dino Land one, yeah, absolutely. People want to know because it is just wasted space sitting there that is and it's not falling being, apart. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, I can't even say it's dirt on the ground. It's pavement that is just waiting for something to take over its entire place. And I, yeah, it's, as fans, we've just, we want something to happen so badly that we're able to hold on to every little thing that they throw our way. And, you know, the best case scenario is, yeah, the concept art they throw out looks very cool. They do it and everyone's blown away, but I don't concept art always looks better than the finished product. So, well, and initial concept art shows nothing. It'll show a lot of pretty trees and some, sort of structures out of focus and then they'll throw in some balloons and fireworks and to take up space and there's nothing there you know you, there's no hint of what's going to be in that land oh and they'll put in some water features too and um so i mean that was it there was nothing to go by you know in this so uh, so this was the um equivalent of Imagineering throwing us the proverbial bone, this whole part of the presentation. So then um, so then they go into Magic Kingdom. And what could they possibly maybe be thinking of, perhaps? So Chris was the creative director for New Fantasyland, and he's excited about the idea of the new frontiers. What's beyond Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? You know, sort of like... Um, 
So then how about the Valley of Santa Cecilia um, celebrating Dia de los Muertes? And, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, maybe you could ride on the back of an animal. Oh, you know, one of those, what did they call those little critters that they rode on? And, and, and you can. Alabrejas. Okay. Good for you. And, and, and then you could just sort of fly along in the story. Or what if we wanted to talk about Bruno in Encanto? What if Maribel is your, um, guide? In the casita, and if you could go up to the door and discover what your gift is. But wait, there's more things that we're throwing on the wall while we're at it. Not Now, this one, they were very clear. Not coming anytime soon. An area overrun by villains. And all of this could be beyond Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And they had then concept art of what all three, if they built all three of these, and all of it was vague, um, of what all of these uh, lands would look like beyond Big Thunder Mountain. And sure enough, on fan sites, they showed all this talking about this is what's coming, this is what's being built. I thought... You're out of your minds. So this, none of this is being built, <laughs> at least not anytime soon. So. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you can argue that it should be built in some oh, places, but it doesn't even like none of that stuff needs to happen in Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. is fine the way it is. It needs to fix up some of the issues that it already has, like in our Tomorrowland area and such. Mm-hmm. Not, not an expansion of the park. That's like. Fix the park and then expand it. Don't you mm-hmm. don't need to expand it to fix it. Yeah, no, I agree. Oh well, that's uh, we'll get into what we hoped was going to be announced and didn't. So, um, so then they said we are always searching for Walt's great big beautiful tomorrow, and if you dream it, um, you experience it. So I thought great big beautiful tomorrow, finally Disneyland's Tomorrowland, but nope. They tricked me again. They said the best is yet to come. Um, in January, the Disney 100 Years of Wonder, the biggest celebration in the company's history, will, will commence. There'll be new entertainment, new food, new dining. And the heart of the celebration will be in Disneyland. Um, the, there will be a Magic Happens Parade while well, it'll... The magic is that it's returning after only running for two weeks. And then um, there's two new nighttime spectaculars at Disney California Adventure. There's World of Color 1 celebrating um, Walt. So I'm very happy to hear that they kept bringing up Walt, you know, throughout this presentation. And at Disneyland, there's going to be Wondrous Journeys with a nod to all 60 animated films. And it's going to be... um sort of around the park with fireworks and a new song, It's Wondrous. And that was it. And people filed out. And the big announcements everyone predicted, 
Um, well, I had already said I knew they were going to say nothing about Disneyland's Tomorrowland, but everybody was hoping for that. And what's happening with the People Mover? The one glaring thing, speaking about Disneyland, is what is going on with that treehouse in Adventureland? Mm -hmm. They are clearly working on it. They have a plan. They know what they're doing, theoretically. So why not tell us? Is it because it's something we're not going to like? Or are they waiting till the next expo in two years because that's how long it's going to take them? And then they're going to tell us. Um, I don't know. That was shocking that they did not announce what's going on with the treehouse. And now somebody, I heard some Imagineers say, well, just because we didn't talk about it doesn't mean we're not working on it. Yeah, which thought, we know that, but the point is we want to hear about stuff to get uh -huh. us excited about what you're actually working yeah. on. <laughs> so to me, the, what, was there anything that you had hoped would be announced, Craig, in this panel? Honestly, no. I, I knew that it probably would not blow us away, that... I was saying months for it going into it. I have zero expectations. I'm just happy to hear whatever they have in store. And I'm hoping there's some, uh, some surprises along the way. And I don't, I wouldn't say I was surprised by anything. And I wouldn't say that I was blown away by anything. It's, I just wish, I wish they would have represented it more as a, a better state of the union of what's happening in the parks and what to expect versus, Again, I don't want to say vague for the 19th time, but the stuff they announced that was exciting, in a way, was vague. And then the stuff that, you know, the stuff that they re-announced, like more details about Princess and the Frog, you didn't give us more details for it. You didn't, you didn't give us any more details, anything more specific on Tron's opening other than an opening time frame. So it's just, you know, they, I felt like, they had a middle area target that they were going to aim for and they hit every single place around that bullseye except for actually the the bullseye i, I don't i don't think they hit the target <laughs> they, they were like me with archery you know they hit the trees and they hit the grass 80 i think feet they did that too the yeah. i mean they didn't hit anything this was such a huge letdown for me Except I liked the, 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 um, the, the Tiana, you know, stage show. I love that. Yeah. But otherwise, um, I, I didn't care for, and the pastries, I didn't care for, this was just, I thought, what are they thinking? I don't know. It, it was disappointing. So completely. Oh. So. In two years, we'll be back again and not be surprised when it happens all over again. <laughs> oh, well, it's in the past, there was more meat to it. Now, granted, they canceled half of what they said they were going to do because there was no... Okay, some of the stuff I thought they'd talk about is, okay, anything that we announced at Epcot that got put on hold, are we going to run with it? Are we going to do it? You know, because now there's a rumor that that... Um, one that's going into the old, um, what's the pavilion where it was going to be some storytelling exhibit or something going in that apparently is already completely built right next to, I think, um, the Guardians of the Galaxy exhibit. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the play pavilion. Play pavilion. Apparently there's rumors going around today that that's been canceled, yeah. even Good. though it's built. 
possible. Or, or close to being yeah. built. And, but there's no talk about the Mary Poppins attraction. There's a, you know, there's a few things they dropped along the way. And it was like, what Mary Poppins attraction? Who's Mary Poppins? You know, um, you know, so no, no, even like status updates. Yeah. I, I keep half so, thinking that that's like they're taking a play, uh, out of the HBO Max playbook and dropping movies that have been completely finished and taking a tax write off on it. That's what they're doing mm-hmm. with their attractions now, <laughs> finishing them and saying, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna bail on this one and call it a write off. Yeah, and we'll just go in and dust it every few years. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh well, that's too bad. But overall, I felt it was very disappointing. So, um, anyway, so but we shall see. We shall see what they actually end up doing. But then I went to an exhibit I really enjoyed over uh, over in the archives. I think it was the archives stage. I'm not sure. But it was um, – no, it was a different stage. I remember there was a whole issue with lines being mismanaged at it. Um, anyway, 100 Years of Treasures from Walt Disney Animation Research Library. So this was hosted by uh, Howard Green. Um, let's see. Fox Carney and Scott Waltz from the Oral – History Project and the Video Digital Project. And they said their mission is to preserve all Disney art so it's available to all Disney business units for inspiration and reuse. And so they said they'd be showing images that were never have never before been seen. So Howard talked about the Oral History Project. And he stated that with... Um, it started, he started with Disney in 1976 and he became a publicist in the Disney marketing department. And so he got to know six of the nine old men who were still um, working at the studio. And so he wrote publicity for um, the animated films. And in 2010, he started with the animation research library. So he said, imagine, um, if they could have captured and preserved the history of early animators. So he said they could, so he said that they, um, continued on their projects, um, through the pandemic via Zoom. And then they showed clips of some of the interviews that they did. So they started with clips of Ruthie Thompson and it, she was 99 when they recorded these and she passed not too long ago. And then, um, then also of Floyd Norman. And so she said when she was 10 or 11 years old, or what she was 10 or 11 years young, she saw um, ladies through the window painting and she just kept watching. And she was um, just, you know, thought it was amazing. And so she was invited in and they were next to the animators. And then she went into the back and watched, watched Walt and Roy filming the Alice shorts. And she got to watch the men animating. And then, um, so, I mean, what an amazing experience that was. And then Floyd Norman, his, he said that his grandmother, um, pushed Floyd, uh, into, uh, she purchased a Floyd a camera and, they found a cameraman to build him a stand and she encouraged him to apply at Disney. And the day he interviewed and got the job, he told his, his grandma was in the hospital and he told her she got the job and she smiled and, uh, and then she passed away that, um, that, um, night. So, um, and then they had Becky, um, oh gosh, Bressie and Amy, um, 
Lawson Sneal and, uh, and Amy, Becky wrote, worked on Frozen, and I don't know if I wrote her name down correctly. And Amy worked on Tangled. And they talked about how they um, connected with Anna and Rapunzel. And when it was, and when it's over, they said it's like losing an old friend. And so in their, um, you know, in their um, interviews. Then Scott Howard, he says he watches the histories and he hears the same stories from different people. And he said, and it could be really funny. So, um, so they talked about one about, there was an interview was fun at the studios and they interviewed, um, Chris, I think it was Chris Breck and Mike Gabriel and Chris, um, and, and Mike, they were, um, dubbed the ones who could draw the cutest characters. So they had a cute off one day where they were given pads to draw cute, of whatever it was that the um the animators threw at them and Mike Gabriel was given the role um was given the or Mark Gabriel was given um the role of um cute eyes and he um and so what he did was he because they said everything he drew that had these cute eyes and so he was like the master of it and so he, before this cued off, he swigged down like a, a, a can of maple syrup. <laughs> and so Tim Burton and John Lunsbury were amongst the judges. And first off, they were given kittens and they started showing all the, all these sketches and how they progressed. And, um, as they were given other tasks to put them in different scenes and all that and have them make them cuter and cuter as they went along. And then they also talked about how the crowds reacted to everyone. And Mike won because his was of a sleeping kitten in a bed with bunny slippers. And they said that there was just no one that could beat that. So they showed it and it was adorable. So, and then, um, they digitized this audio media and voice recordings, early screenings of films. And, you know, they're not quite finished from all the types of media. I mean, they have like um, three quarter inch tape, VHS, beta and cassettes. And so they have to preserve this as quickly as possible. So because, um, you know, some of this is starting to get brittle yep. and all that. So, um so the first audience outside, we're the first audience outside of the studio to hear some of these um, recordings they had. And they showed character film references and they were, they were not rotoscoped. They were used by animators to um, plus their characters. So they, so they interviewed and they showed this clip of, of Alice Davis being interviewed on making a sleeping beauty costume for Briar Rose at Mark Davis's request. And uh, the character was already designed, but they needed to see how the dress would move. So um, so she had to design it so it would give freedom of movement to the character. And so the animator sketched from that. Um, Bunny, um, Bernie Madison was, um, he was um, tasked to create the Raven. And he had a live action reference. And he created a whole series of drawings of the Raven in um and and then he put and then he would put them in um front of him as he animated it so that he could see its movements becky um bressy she um filmed her puppy as a reference for bolt as a puppy and eric goldberg for the carnival of animals 
he got, um, again, he got, um, Mark Gabriel, um, doing his yo-yo tricks. So the flamingo in this is doing accurate yo-yo tricks. And, but then, um, Mark had created his own, um, trick flight to the moon and the yo-yo got caught in the rafters of the room and they never, um, they never found the yo-yo. <laughs> so, it's, so it's still up there. And then they brought out, um, Eric Goldberg and they said, um, the, the trick to filming live action, they said that the, the, they do this to get subtle movements, but they don't trace. They use it as a reference to see the physicality, the poses, the positions, the movements, and then they exaggerate, um, you know, at times from this movement for animation. So they said, um, so, you know, one of the, one of the issues, how do you change a man's wrist with a yo-yo into a flamingo's webbed ankle? So for that scene from Fantasia 2000, well, turns out the flamingo has a joint in his ankle. So they were able to mimic all the movements. And then Mark Gabriel first used, um, the live action reference on the little mermaid. And he said, it's like having a model as a reference. So Sherry was the area live action reference. And it was a tank of water with portholes at Walt Disney Imagineering that they had worked for, that was used for other projects. She volunteered to go into the cold water, um, so that the, um, for the animators, so they could see how, um, she moved underwater. So for Ariel. And then they said the voice talent is recorded and filmed as a reference. And then the animators will be there with a sketch pad to see what movements they can use to make movements believable and real. So Eric Goldberg showed how on Aladdin, he was going to observe Robin Williams. And Robin Williams went on for 16 hours. And they said Eric had to try not to laugh so as not to be... Um, you know, seen or heard in the recording session. And they said so very little of that 16 hours was actually used. So for the Blu-ray for Aladdin, the Aladdin release, Eric animated some of Robin Williams' outtakes as a tribute to him. So do you have that? Aladdin? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've watched that before. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I definitely, I've had to have watched it. Mm-hmm. So. I think I have too. I watch everything, but. I mean, maybe that's it. I watched too much. Can't keep track of it all. <laughs> and then they showed um, films of some of the voice recording sessions, like for James Earl Jones for The Lion King, um, Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella for Timon and Pumbaa. Um, Eartha Kitt, The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, my gosh. She was incredible. She was really good. And, of course, Jodie Benson um, with The Little Mermaid. And then Jodie Benson came out on stage. And she said that she's been part of their world for over 33 years. So she sat down with Mark and Jody, uh, and they did an oral history on The Little Mermaid a few years ago. So she told the story of Smile um, and and her song Disneyland, that if you've been on any of the Diz cruises with Jody, she shared this. I think we talked about it on the show. Um, and that show... Uh, smile closed early due to the New York Times review. And then Howard Ashman asked her to audition a year later and she got the part for Ariel. And, and of course he asked a number of the women performers to, um, perform because she thought, you know, he felt really bad 
um, about the early closing of Smile. So then um, Mark and Glenn Keane brought the character to life. Um, and they said, when the voice talent is hired, then the character comes alive. And Jody made the character warm and genuine, he said, which made, um, animating Ariel, um, easy. And she said, Howard was in the recording booth with Jody and, and Mike and Glenn just silently watched and sketched. And then, so then they had Jody's tracks and then they worked with Sherry to do the live reference sketches. And they, um, they said they sort of cooked her a bit, you know, to, um, you know, did some exaggeration and stuff like that with the movements. And then, um, Jody and Howard, she said Howard Ashton was the driving force for the second golden age of Disney animation, um, bringing the Broadway musical styles of telling the story to Disney animated films. And then in part of the world, uh, Howard told her that it was an inner monologue and not a big Broadway song. So that's, I'm a little concerned how it's going. And I haven't heard the live action version of it. I know you did Craig. So that's why I'm, I'm concerned how the new actress is going to um, perform that. So, but um, anyway, but they said Howard was always challenging her. It was a, a very vulnerable moment where she was um, bearing herself to everyone in the room. And she said the little mermaid encouraged Eric Goldberg to work for Disney. He had a studio in England and he said that there are three things that make a, an animator um, uh, reinvigorated. It, it was all happening in the United States. There were three films that reinvigorated animation. It was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Little Mermaid, and The Simpsons television series. So, and then they said, Jody has a book coming out on Tuesday, Part of My World. It's not an autobiography or a memoir. It's a collection of stories where she thanks other people. And, uh, and that was it for that panel. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. You know, a lot of it was visual and audio, but so I hope I was able to capture, um, you know, capture enough of it to communicate it but it was good i'm glad i went to it yeah, i think so yeah and then that was it for me the last thing i went to was uh the disney disney princess the concert live at d23 expo and it was an abbreviated version apparently this is a traveling concert that is going to pick up steam and there was a thing you could photograph and it, you got like uh, i don't know 23 percent off whatever it is Got it when they started rolling again. And I really enjoyed it. It was very well done. And um, it was very pretty. I always love listening to Disney music, you know, sung by, you know, some of these were the performers that either voiced the uh, the animated characters or performed them on Broadway. So, and, and it, it was, it was really well done. I, I'm glad I went to it. And, and that was really it for the D23 Expo. Um, there were some exhibits that I would like to talk about. Get your thoughts on them, Craig. One was the, um, Wonderful World of Dreams. I believe, okay, was that, it's been, that was so, it's the been Disney a while Parks now. One. Okay. The Disney Parks one. A lot of open space there. Um, that one. What did you think of that presentation? That exhibit, I should say. I, 
Honestly, I thought it was fine. It all comes down to how it all comes down to how much you care about what was inside there. And you know, with me being specifically Walt Disney World, I'm looking first and foremost at what is there with Walt Disney World, and we got a Moana recreation from what's going to be inside. Mm-hmm. In Journey of Water, and we got the Walt the Dreamer statue, and yeah, we are getting uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure down the line, so it's it's cool seeing the model. Uh, but to me, it was just like it was very. I need to walk through this once, and I can be done with it. Because mm-hmm. even though there was some cool stuff being shown off with like ride vehicles and such for the international parks, and I never got to see the puppet show that was happening with Zootopia. Oh, I saw it. Um, I, I, yeah, I just missed it. So like beyond that, it's like you look at the models real quick and then you kind of scoot out and I did ended with the wish. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need to see about the wish, the wish it's sailing right now. I don't, I don't need to see a miniature statue. I can go get on the ship and look at the real thing. So (laughs) I, I thought it was, I, I won't say it was their weakest, uh, performance with a parks booth there's been other ones that i've also kind of had the, a similar feeling to but and it was this one was very much just breeze through i hope people didn't wait too long in line to get in there oh, i thought this was really lackluster the first beginning of it it was really models of ride vehicles for the other parks you know the international mm-hmm. parks and i thought some of them looked pretty much the same just really redressed and, um, yeah, and I saw the puppet show. It was silly. I can't even remember what it was about. And, um, yeah, and then they had the big model of Toontown of Disneyland's. That was cool. And they had the Tiana model in the next, you know, those were in the next room along with the model of, um, Walt, the storyteller for Epcot. And yeah, and then it ended with the wish. And I thought, this is it. Uh, to me, I thought this was one of the worst exhibits parks and resorts have done. So, um, yeah, there was, there was nothing other- in there that excited me. I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, no, there was there was one other year. I don't remember which one it was. That it just felt like the the year I can have like memories of. It felt like it was very heavily focused on uh, on. Uh, international parks, which mm-hmm. I'm never going to get as excited about those because I don't know when I'm ever going to see them. So I, I always kind of get put off by that, but nothing for me. Like in the years that I've done the expo, uh, the coolest one has been not even a parks one, but when they had the Imagineering, uh, the Imagineering booth that I, I mean, was technically parks with it, but that was in 2013. And that one was incredible because there was a full show to it, you know, with movies and room to room. Like that, that's how you do a booth. This was just, this was come look at the pretty models and be on your way, please. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and I felt very much the same way with the Walt Disney Archives exhibit, Step in Time, which was supposed to be a history of the, the company. And it was basically just a timeline with photos. There was a photo, a couple photo ops there. You know, I think we had a Steamboat Willie and there was another one, wasn't there? And, um, that was, I think it was in that pavilion. 
Yeah. Unless it the, was into the end. No, no, no. In the, in the archives one, it was all set up instead of just being another display of, you know, mementos and interesting costumes and stuff, you know, what, what they do for every single expo and what they do with these traveling exhibitions. They decided to turn this one completely into, uh, into photo ops all around mm-hmm. and then have little, little pieces, you know, connected to it usually on, on the sides, unless the costumes were the photo op, like, Mary Poppins uh, outfit being between the two horses that you could take a picture in front of or Dick Tracy's costumes set up uh, that you can get pictures in front of. I, for me, this again uh, was just, I, I, it was a breeze through because I loved looking at the props and I loved looking at the costumes. I soaked those in. I not, I don't want photos of myself there about the only one i would have taken was they did the they had one photo op for uh, disney channel that was uh you know you could recreate yourself doing that disney channel logo that they used to play in the 90s with the wand right but beyond it it just for me i hope this is this was a one-time experiment and then they move back to a more traditional uh exhibition i think both of these were done on a on a slim budget I can, I can see I that. I think, I think the budget for these exhibits was slashed and this was the best they could do because I didn't find them to be creative or imaginative or thoughtful in any way. So, um, I was really disappointed with both of these. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, and then there was journey into storytelling and that was all the various, you know, it was sort of Pixar and Marvel and Hulu and Disney Plus and all National Geographic and all kinds of things. And I don't know, wasn't this a, a lot of photo ops? It did have some um, maquettes and things like that. And those I enjoyed. So um, maquettes from, you know, the different films. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. Yeah. I mean, if there was a journey in the storytelling, I don't know. I took the wrong path. <laughs> you know. Yeah, not memorable for me. No. Um, so, again, really, I, 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 I felt the D23 Expo, they cut the budget this year on it. And it showed in every way. Yeah. So, or, uh, um, it might not even be budgets or just... A uh, lack of idea of what people want from these exhibitions. Because you know what? Uh, we are two people who are very like-minded. And, you know, having done these in the past, have an idea of what we generally like. It might be a thing where the t- type of people Disney's trying to attract, they want things like photo ops and, and that more than let me walk around and look at a museum. Uh, I yeah. disagree with it because like one of the highlights for me on the show floor was all of the star Wars costumes and Lucasfilm that was and cool. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and literally everything recent star Wars Marvel did the same thing. Uh, Willow costumes like that was so basic, but so, so well done. And uh, I, I feel like I, I feel like that's what was targeted directly at me, and there was always people in front of those, constantly mm-hmm. taking pictures and looking at them. Whereas, 
you know, if you don't want to take a photo, you're just kind of making a quick circle and getting out of those other areas. So I think maybe they are meant for certain people. The Instagrammers. I, I'm just not yeah. Instagrammers it, and TikTokers. It's just not me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is for the younger group. We're, we are legacy fans after mm-hmm. all, Craig. We are. So we're not in the group they target anymore. So that could be it. I think maybe you hit the nail on the head with that one. And I think it allows them to do things cheaply. I really do. I, I, yeah. I think it goes hand in hand. So anyway, another exhibit was Walt's plane. Of course, this was the company plane. It's the plane Walt rode in when they were looking for uh, at the land in Florida, and that got and that sat over at Disney MGM Studios, Disney Hollywood Studios, you know, in the back lot for years and decayed. And then they um, restored the exterior and all that to its uh, original glory and brought it out to um, there to be on exhibit. And it was nice. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the. Um, the little exhibits they had on it with some of the original artifacts from the plane. And, um, yeah, and that, that I enjoyed seeing it. And I guess now it's down in Palm Springs at a, at a, um, air museum down there. So, yep. It, it was, it was pretty to look at, even though you couldn't mm-hmm. get close to it. I mean, really, it was more about the props all around. So, mm-hmm. which, as I've now gone on about over and over, that is something that, uh, <laughs> I, I really love, so I, I really soaked, soaked it in. And, you know, they had like the one clip running from the one Kurt Russell movie that the plane was featured yes. in. It, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a very well done exhibit, but if you didn't care about the plane, you probably walked right in and you walked right back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. I, I liked it. You're right. The exhibits were excellent. So um they had Walt's phone where he'd talk to the pilot from his seat and the yeah, plane they, and all that, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they, this was one where they clearly put effort into it and mm-hmm. it, it showed. And yeah. that's probably because of the backing of Amazon funding and all. Yes, absolutely. I did not go into their whatever they were doing at the entrance to this area because there was always a huge line. So I have no idea what Amazon was up to there, but it was very popular. I did not either, so I can't yeah. help. <laughs> and then, and then there was a special event for D twenty three members. There was a highly priced oogie boogie bash that was um, more than just a standard oogie boogie bash ticket. Now I had never been to the oogie boogie bash, but everybody told me how wonderful it is. And they're so excited. It's coming back and all of that. Now I'd always been to the Disneyland Halloween, you know, Halloween party that was over there and loved it. It was great. I went to the oogie boogie bash and I I was traveling with a couple of listeners. We went around. Uh, Mickey is my spirit animal and on the boards and Tigger. Tiggerette. Tiggerette. Thank you. That's right, cigarette, but with a T. And, um, <laughs> and, and so we went around together. There was another fellow with us that we lost him along the way. I don't, I don't know if Oogie Boogie got him or what, but, um, I was, I cannot tell you how disappointed I was with this compared to the Halloween parties I've been to at the Magic Kingdom, Mickey's very merry, scary Christmas party, whatever it is, our Halloween party. And then, um, and then the old Disneyland ones, because 
This was basically trick-or-treat trails, in my opinion. There, um, and, and the map was terrible. It didn't tell you, like, if there were live performances, where or when they would be. So, like, you know, you always had the castle show. You always knew where to go for the, um, the Dapper Dance, whatever they're called in their Halloween costume. I mean, you always knew where to go for them. Um, you didn't for this. I-, I was told there were live performances. I never saw one, except there was a dance party, which I'm not into. There was no nighttime spectacular. Disneyland ran their fireworks, which ironically are Halloween fireworks. Nothing at California Adventure. No, no, um, world of color. You know, special presentation, which they should have done for the price we paid. And, and um, the mm-hmm. problem was the World of Color show they made for it during the debut year in 2019. It was atrociously bad. Like well, it was, it was <laughs> god awful to the point they would have had to go completely back to the drawing board and try well, to fix they it. They had three years to do it. You know, I mean, they had plenty of time on their hands during the pandemic to recreate that. And, and do a new one. I mean, there's no excuse. They should have had something. And then, um, to, so their big nighttime thing was they did projections on the Carthay Circle Theater. And then they made it D23. Um, they, they put a D23 little logo on it. And then you were supposed to get, uh, some D23 if you were a Magic Key member and all this stuff. You got something. God only knows what it was. That line was so long for it over in Paradise Pier that you would have spent your, most of your night in that line because it moved so slowly. And they were mismanaging the line a bit at the end, the way they were merging lines and all that. And it, it was a mess. I never, I have no clue what was in that, but I, I hope it was worth it for the people that waited in that line. And then, um, you know, the villains trail, it was pretty, but I, I was disappointed with it. I, I liked the technology behind it, but villains I wanted Grove villains. Yeah. Villains Grove. The, the kids play Redwood, area. Yeah, yeah. Redwood, yeah. um, Challenge Creek trail. Challenge Trail. Um, I wanted villains in there as well, not just projections of villains fading in and out. And um, there Michael, were v- people <laughs> told me I was crazy the first year when I said, I don't understand. It's just a bunch of lights in there. Uh-huh. And I got told it was so beautiful. There's nothing really like this anywhere else. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> it's just it's unique. Actually, um, so somebody I- told me it is like something somewhere else, either. um Mickey is my spirit animal or, or, um, Tigarette told me, um, this is based on something else. Or maybe Mary Jo did. Somebody told me this is based on another experience elsewhere. Well, I'm happy to hear you feel about it the same way I do. <laughs> yeah. Major disappointment. And, um, overall, and then, and then like Agnes Harkness, she was 30 minutes late to her spot. And, um, so we had to go through that trail twice so that we could see her. And, uh, I know when the, the brief opportunity you had to be there, um, they were rushing you through where you couldn't even film or video the characters. Um, I was, they weren't doing that at the times I went through. So I've waited to post my videos from Oogie Boogie Bash until we talked about it. But I thought this was a complete ripoff. I think Disney should be ashamed of themselves, except 
It was sold out and it will always be sold out. But I cannot recommend this whatsoever. Save your money on and use it for something else. Um, but do not go to this. Get use them if you want candy, go to, to Walmart or somewhere and or Costco and spend your money and get the candy. It is not worth the price for this. Then at the end we got a poster. Um as we walked out. It's mine is still in the tube. I didn't bother to open it. I think it's a boogie boogie or something. There were some cool um characters. Um you know, like Oogie Boogie himself in the Animation Academy. You, you, I was not going to wait in line for Minnie and Clarabelle and um, Daisy dressed up as the Sanderson sisters. There was a viewing area where you could photograph them, um, you know, if you didn't want to wait in line. But basically, they put you in such a bad place where there was a pole in front of you and all this stuff. They made sure you couldn't get a decent photo. Unless you were in that line, yeah. so um, and it, uh, you know, a lot of what you're saying is how I felt about it the first year. But ultimately, I, you know, I also am not going to go out and say don't do this. I think you just have to decide what type of person you are when it comes mm-hmm. to the parks. I, I'm a completionist type person, and to me, this event was built that you could not complete everything. And I hear it was perfect last year because of how they were doing the characters, you know, being distant. So there weren't meet and greet lines that helped a lot of people to be able to get their selfies with characters, move on a lot faster, be able to accomplish more. Um, but the party has seemingly gone back to what it was in the first year. And you kind of have to choose. Do you want to wait hours for that one character that you really wanted to meet? And if you do, you're going to miss out on like three other things because of that. And, uh, you know, you might, and I waited the first year I did it, we waited like 45 minutes in line for the villains Grove, which like that to me was unacceptable for walking a walkthrough experience with lights. Um, Mm -hmm. it just, it so, unless they drastically change this event ever for me, it just comes down to, I, I know as a completionist, it's very difficult to be able to do everything that you want to do. And I don't like spending money on stuff where I feel like I missed out on something. So for me, I, it's not an event that I would ever rush back unless I found out they're doing it differently. I would only rush back if they moved it back to Disneyland. That's the only way I would do it. And I didn't so, even like uh, Disneyland's party that much, but that was because I had a bad night that I went and the fireworks were canceled oh, mid fireworks show, it. and that was like okay, well everything's been good, but that was kind of the the big thing that would have sealed the deal, and to have it canceled was a bummer. But yeah, I, it's you know it's one thing that I at least appreciate with Walt Disney World. I think I think they know how to do parties better than Disneyland. And yeah, parties are somewhat new to us, and they don't have it down. Yeah. I think here, but I would now. I would never go back to this again. It would have to be scrapped and rebuilt from the ground up. But they would have to. There would have to be more there to do. Maybe. And I know they have the Guardians of the Galaxy. They have the, you know, they redo it for for the party. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, I don't want to go to the Halloween party just to go on attractions. Yeah. And I know well, they say that's the big thing. You can go on the attractions. Well, I did most of the Hall- the ones that are rethemed. I did it during the day. 
you yeah. know, so. And that's the, like the guardians that changes every single day at whatever mm-hmm. time it was four o'clock. So during the Halloween season and, you know, cars land is the same way it is every single day. So yeah, it's a, it's a sell. If you have, you know, if that's your only night in California adventure, then yeah, that's, that's a complete sell. Do some attractions, you know, maybe see one character, watch the parade from a bad spot or behind some people, maybe get one food item, see a couple of trick or treat trails and call it a day. But that's my OCD would never be able to handle that. Yeah. If, if I can't do it all, I don't want to. The parade was pretty good. I live streamed it. And so, um, I enjoyed it. And, um, so you can go back on my Michael Bowling dash connecting with Walt Facebook page if you want to see it. I like that. We had a good vantage point for it. And, uh, but you know, there were, there, there were characters want to say, well, I thought, where is some of the villains? Like I never saw the evil queen. Um, there, there were a few I expected to see that I never saw. Um, you know, they added, oh, that Hector fellow from, um, from, um, Coco. He was good. I saw him on my way out. I left a little early because I'd seen everything and I was tired and I, I wanted to get back to the, um, hotel, um, cause I was a distance away. And so, um, I saw him when there was no line and so he was good. He was just performing and that was it. And then, um, but you know, like we really, someone in our party really wanted to see the Captain America zombie and we kept going back there and we couldn't find out when he was coming out and there were like no characters coming out in that one area. We kept waiting and waiting and cast members couldn't tell us, um, when he'd be coming out. And, and, you know, I just thought, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, we should know when the characters are appearing. Yeah. And I hate themed responses. Like, you know, they're all saving the day right now. And it's like, Mm -hmm. don't, I'm an adult and I appreciate being in theme to the story. Like I love it in galaxy's edge, but it's, it's, it's my side where I understand like how, like uh, on our Walt Disney world show, uh, Kevin was very frustrated with the idea of not being able to ask where's the bathroom and getting an answer. And oh, yes, you know, I, remember I, that. I, under like i understand that when it comes to the important stuff and i think that's like an example of it too if you're trying to find a certain character that you really want to see like break character for a second and be like hey let me you know i can check with the schedule and try to find out an answer yeah exactly just, especially when you have limited time and you're paying for this event yeah. i yeah. guess service is going out of your way to try to in, not even going out of your way in this. That, going out of way would be going above and beyond. Basic guest service is, let me be able to find the answer for you. And if I don't know the answer, I will try to find it from someone else who might know yeah. it. And that's just kind of gone. Yeah. The saving grace for me on all of this, well, okay, I'm glad I experienced it. But it was the people I was with. I mean, uh, Mickey's, uh, my spirit animal and and cigarette were terrific. And so I spent, so that made it for me. If I'd been there by myself or with somebody I really didn't know well, um, I, I, I don't know. I, or someone I didn't click with, I, I, it would have been even worse. So they sort of rescued it for me, but I, I don't think I would go back again. So, um, to this. So yeah, and you're right. Maybe I shouldn't tell people don't go, but I just did not, I did not see the value in it 
for me for the experience. So, um, you know, I, I would go, I, I thought there's still more Halloween stuff over at Disneyland, Yeah, you know, and I, I, you know, on a, on a non party night. Exactly. So anyway, so anyway, so that's it. So overall, that's our feeling on the D23 Expo. We are pretty much done with it. So Craig, would you go to the next one? I, I will say more than likely. Yes. Uh, if I'm able to, uh, I will tell you what I, I feel like more You'll have than a two year old. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, well, then at home, <laughs> um, not with me, but I, I would say the event, it, it was, it was still fun being in the rooms with so many people and, mm-hmm. you know, getting to hear some cool things, seeing a lot of celebrities, meeting a bunch of awesome people as well, too. It's, it had, it had a lot of highlights with it. Mm-hmm. It was not my favorite one yet, but I'm also not going to like throw in the towel for it at all. It's, it, it was kind of, it was kind of an off year that felt like they were trying some different things right now with, at Disney's management. I mean, they're obviously they're in a strange place themselves too. And it, in a couple of years from now, it could be a complete different, uh, different place. But you know, it's it's the first one that's felt off for me overall since I started going I in 2013. You know, it felt like they hit the pedal to the metal in 2015 and said we're going to make this like we are going to make this our comic con now we will make this massive and it just grew and grew and grew and this was the first year that it continued the growth in terms of how many people they wanted there but they didn't follow through with enough to like really sell it as a whole but again i look at very specific parts of it I know people who went there, didn't go into a single panel, just enjoyed walking around the show floor and kind of getting a glimpse of that. And they said it was a great time. So That's it good. really just depends on, on who you are. If you like shopping at some of the, you know, not just the Disney stores, but the, some of the, the vendors that they have there, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, if you've been to other conventions that are mostly about shopping, you probably would find something to love about Expo. But for me, I need them to deliver on the panels. And there was moments, and the Muppets panel did. But overall, it was it was the weakest year of all the ones that I've been to. But I don't regret it. I agree. It's the weakest year for me, too. I also don't regret it. I am so grateful to people, because as you know, I got into no panels. I didn't get any reservations. People that had a plus one and, um, in, and allowed me to be their plus one. You know, um, Tom Bell did that. I think Mary Jo did it. Um, oh gosh, who else did it? From some friends of mine from the museum, the woods and their friends, they did it. So a lot of people really helped me out. And that's how I got into some of these panels. Uh, one, I got up early and then, um, so, and we met, I met so many listeners, didn't meet my co-host at it, but I met a ton of listeners who told me you were there. And um, I didn't even see you like from a distance, which I didn't that's see you wild. at all. And well, I know you I, wear bright, vibrant shirts. So, and yeah. I'm super tall. So the fact that yeah. we just <laughs> didn't connect is wild well, to me. In some of those big panels, they always had me off in a dark corner somewhere, but, um, 
Anyway, but it was, we met so many listeners who were just so kind and so generous with um, sharing how much they appreciate our stories. So that really makes it worthwhile is because, you know, we're talking to microphones and we're looking at recording boxes and, you know, recording things on our screen and all of that. And we can't see you out there, you know, from what we're doing. And so going to these events, we can connect with you. You know, our listeners are connecting with Walt family. And that's what really makes these special. So, um, but I'm really hoping I get one of those tickets. So I don't have to get into, um, you know, next time. So I don't have to get into the wait in the lines yeah. for the big events. Yeah. So. If I didn't get it again, I would definitely question, um, doing it. But right now, I mean, at $900 for that ticket, I don't know if I, I, I'm still on the fence about whether or not it was worth it. If it was worth the extra I was $700. See, at my age, waiting in those lines becomes more of an effort. So, uh, and it, it more uncomfortable as time goes on. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, um, and that's a huge part of it is that if you want to be close, <laughs> yeah, you have to. But even with that, like we were still showing up. I mean, Mary Jo was getting there even earlier than us. Oh, gosh. Stuff. Yes. So, uh-huh. but like they told us to like make sure you come back like an hour before the panel starts. If you got there an hour before the panel started, you were still sitting like 20, 30 rows back, which I mean, that's so it became a thing where you had your guaranteed spot and you were in the front sections, but that didn't guarantee you were going to be close. It just guaranteed you. And, um, for me, I like the aspect of being as close as possible too, to really be able to, you know, you don't want to watch a screen when you're already that close and you're paying that much money and mm-hmm. my eyes aren't great. So it was a lot, a lot of extra waiting on top of the waiting. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. And like the one panel we went into, I think it was legends on the first day they didn't have a system set up for how to seat us yet. So they were kind of like the people who waited, but actually it might've been the, the um, might've been the studios panel because they had already done legends and legends kind of went well. So then for the studios panel, they did it so weirdly where the first people in line went all the way to the far right of the first four sections. they, They used to do that. They did that in previous years. Yeah. And that ticked me off. Well, and that's what happened to us. They sent us all the way. We waited the longest of the people. And the first group, we were all the way off at the far right. And then they cut off the line behind us. And then people behind us in line were getting to sit in a section that was more centered. And so we're like yelling at them, like, why are they getting to go there? Why are they getting the better view? And it's like, it's how we're doing this. It's like, no, you fill the two center, the two complete center mm-hmm. sections first, and then you move out to the two sides. That's like, yeah, that, that's just basic. And they screwed it up. And we were all like, we were yelling. It was like Titanic when they're trying to get in lifeboats. Like we're standing up finally. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I will fully admit it. You told me a story before we got on, uh, on, on to record about an experience uh, where you stood up and took authority <laughs> today. Yes. And that's, that's what I did. I just got up and I said, I'm going and other people followed and we all moved into the center section and probably Good screwed them up. But it's like, 
no, it's the, it's the first, the, the legends panel was a little bit different because they did have reserved seating for the celebrities and their families in the front sections. That's understandable. You know, they need, they need that extra room for them. And then legends who came back to just watch the ceremony. So I can't, I can't blame that panel for being a little goofy with it, but there was no reserve seating for celebrities in front of us. It was, it was all us at that point. And then, then there was some other weird things where there was like, camera guys who were holding big giant gimbals um you know not like handheld ones you'll see in the parks but like literally the um you know the steady cams that they would use on movie sets and they would just stand right in front of people uh there was there was guys on rolling tripods standing right in front of the front row it's like these people waited the longest and they have the most expensive ticket. And now they can't see who's behind the person, the cameraman standing in front of them. Oh, that's like, crazy. It's, it's the whole point of having a zoom lens. <laughs> and you, mm-hmm. you stand back and you zoom in from far away. It was, there was a lot of stuff like that. And luckily we didn't have that problem, but I did see people in our section who like, they were trying to get the attention of anyone who was working there and be like, can you please move them out of the way? Uh, it was, it, there was a lot of, there was a lot of little things like that, that helped oh. devalue that ticket. Well, you know, and you know what happened, you know, I mentioned the Disney princess concert. I really enjoyed it. Now that was one of the last events of the expo. So you think they would have had the timing down for, okay, at this, this event starts at this time. This is when we need to start marching people in. They were still letting people in 30 minutes into the concert. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, I was shocked. That's a shame. That is a shame. So, um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't, und- I, and I've never been to Comic Con. So I don't know if they have these same issues there. But it seems like Disney struggles with how to run these, and I'm sure there's a third party running this. But yeah, um, there is, and, and but you know, it, nonetheless, like there's issues with it, and there's been issues, the same issues in the past with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point they have to step back and be like, okay, we might need to find a new uh, contractor to run this convention a little bit more solid, especially with the big ticket. Uh, events with the with live action and animation and like i complained about last week with it running over time and i think the week before finally be realistic with yourselves it's it's always going to run over over budget for the time and use that when you're planning your schedules out admit admit up front that hey normally we'll schedule this till noon let's actually put it down till one and then if everyone gets out it's a happy surprise like it's simple stuff you know, I don't know if they have a post-mortem after the D23 Expo, like most companies do after they have a big event or a big project. I get the feeling sometimes that they don't. They just figure, thank God, it's over. Let's take a breather and then move on. And then by the time it's time to plan the D23 Expo again, they have a whole new crew. I, I would say that's and so they don't learn, close. and so yeah. so there's nobody there to learn from the previous experience because they didn't do the post mortem on it to see what can we do, what worked, what didn't work, yeah. what can we do better next time. Or they do the post mortem and they're like, "We really killed it this year." Did you see the looks on everyone's faces? Can't oh, wait gosh. for the next one because they all that's applauded. Also a possibility. Yes, they all applauded at the end, <laughs> so they must be happy. Yep. Oh well. 
<laughs> I would go back again. I would. I'm looking forward to Destination D next year. Hopefully they'll have that yeah. um, because I prefer that one over this. But um, yeah, but I, I would go again. I, I enjoy the XO for all the reasons that I said. Oh, one of the other things that ticked me off and then I'm done is, you know, on day one, they allowed you to bring in like stick chairs and all of that. And someone from our Disneyland team lent me one because I thought, I said, oh, I would have brought mine that's sitting in my van at the airport if I had known. And so I don't want to say who it was because then she might, they might get bugged. I've already narrowed it down. Um, for, hey, can I borrow it? But, um, they, they lent it to me. And so, um, because I was recovering from a sprained back and stuff like that. So that standing for long periods of time was really rough. And so I brought it in and they said, Oh, we're not allowing those anymore. The great thing is, is it was also a cane. And I said, well, this is my cane. And they said, Oh, okay. You're fine. So thank goodness. Um, cause it had one leg that was longer and had the little, um, rubber tip. So, and, and, and it had a handle that was a cane handle sort of on it. And so I could, and I made sure I walked with it as a cane and, um, but they took a look at it and said, okay, you're fine. But I had to have security check it every day before they let me in. So, um, there's a tip for you, gang. <laughs> yeah. But is also, look for those chairs. <laughs> nothing like changing the rules in the middle of it. I, I know. That happens. I know. And they and they do it at every expo. They change the rules. So um, keep that in mind. But anyway, but yes, even with all of our um, observations, we would go back again. And we hope to see you there next time. But now it's time for This Week in Disney History. Okay, Craig, I think it is my turn. It is. And this actually ties into the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World and actually to the D23 Expo. Because on August, August, October 23rd, 1964, the very first five acre lot for Walt Disney World was purchased by the A4 Corporation, or I4 Corporation, A-Y-E-F-O-U-R. And of course, remember, this is one of those um, pseudo-companies that was set up to buy the um, buy the land, so it couldn't be traced back to the Walt Disney Company. So, of course, this is a sort of a takeoff on the name Interstate 4, I4. And so, like I said, this is one of the puppet companies that was set up by Disney, to secretly buy land in Florida because if they found out that it was Disney buying the land, the price would soar. And of course, this was all spearheaded by Bob Price, who was named a Disney legend at the D23 Expo. And what's noteworthy about this date is, you know, a lot of people, you'll hear a lot of historians, a lot of people say, well, what was testing out the attractions at the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. And there he decided there would be the East Coast audience would like um, the, the Disney form of entertainment. And that made him decide on building what would become Walt Disney World. Well, the first parcel of land was built, was purchased in 1964, which meant the planning for that started way earlier. 
So by the time Walt was gearing up for the fair, they were pretty, they had pretty much made the decision that they were moving in into, um, you know, into the East Coast. So, so that's my, um, that's my little history. The birth of Walt Disney World started on October 23rd, 1964. Well, I also wanted to honor, uh, D23 Expo with this and, uh, you know, kind of foreshadow a lot of what we talked about with it. I get, not really, but foreshadow what could happen with a lot about what we talked about today. And that's why it's important to note that on October 28th of 2017, uh, is when that awesome theater that we all know and love in Magic Kingdom off of Main Street USA, that Broadway <laughs> theater, uh, finally had its groundbreaking. And we are enjoying it so much to this day. But. I think it is such a shame <laughs> they didn't build it because the Magic Kingdom needs a venue like that. It does. But, I mean, they also wouldn't be able to, you know, afford entertainers to actually perform in there right now anyways, too. So, uh I mean, maybe it worked out for the long run, but yeah, to break through the sarcasm of everyone asking, where is it? I've never seen it before. Of course, it quietly got canceled and mm-hmm. it went away, much like other things we talked about with D23 Expos of the past and what will happen with this year's. So uh, I thought I thought it was ironic that, yeah, the groundbreaking was right in this time period as we wrap up our parks discussion with d23 yeah Yeah, that's a good one yeah too bad so but now i'm sure that you went to disneyland during when you were out here for the d23 expo so how was your disneyland experience Uh, i only had one day in disneyland and it was not good but that was uh (laughs) <laughs> that was my mistake. Uh, the, the day I went was the Disney Plus day, and it started out amazing. Uh, there was this light mist of rain early in the morning and got into the park, you know, before uh, whatever, even like the 30 minutes that Disney Plus subscribers got extra and, you know, got my ears and really got into the spirit, went, got my breakfast chimichanga, went to Haunted Mansion Holiday and rode that a handful of times. Uh, but then it went downhill when I decided to go hit Splash Mountain next while the line was still short. And I uh, did one ride through of that with my good camera and... It went well, but I got a little bit more water than I wanted on it because they uh, they made me sit in the front row. And, huh. of course, with Disneyland, you get just drenched. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I want to go. I want to sit in the back. So then rode it a second time, sat in the back, but I had people put up their hands the entire time. I'm like, well, <laughs> oops. <laughs> Let me edit that one out. You're gonna know, we're getting a fun bleep in this this week's episode. Um <laughs> And uh, let me write down that time right now so I do not forget it. Oh, you know I'll be listening uh, to make sure you edit no. this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it there. I'll get it. Uh, but then, so then I'm like, one more time. I'm going to go on it one more time. And I got up and asked if I could have the front row or if I could have the back row. And they're like, nope, nope. You, it's too busy now. We can't do row requests. Okay, fine. So get stuck in the front row then, ironically. And I'm like, you know what? I have some good footage from the first one. I know when to like cover my camera and kind of like 
you know, try to hide it at good times so that way it keeps the lens clear of water and I'll be able to do a stitch of the two of them together. And it was after the uh, double drop going into the laughing place. Not, you know, not the double drop, but the down and back up. And then you splash down at that point. And our boat was so poorly weight distributed in that there was only the, the smallest person really was in the final back row and the rest of us had to be my weight or more oh. all like in that row. We were so heavy you cut through and that water. <laughs> we literally it like butter all up and over. Um, it completely drenched me head to toe. My camera microphone shorted out immediately, which oh my, my, gosh. my camera is, I will say it is, it's technically waterproof. The body's waterproof, but it's only waterproof, uh, with like the, the microphone where that goes in if that's completely sealed off with a little piece. But because the microphone was in, it wasn't. So I was terrified that I destroyed, um, my, my shoe where the microphone sits in and that would really set me up for disaster. And luckily that didn't happen. It was just the microphone because I, I went straight back to the hotel and I found Rhino and I was like, let me put your microphone in and see if my camera works. And everything worked perfectly. It was no problem. Still working, knock on wood to this day without any issues from that. But the microphone died. So then I had to, you know, I checked Amazon for same day deliveries, nothing. I checked Best Buy to see if, because there's one real close by if they had anything, nothing. And then finally, there's a camera chain in Southern California called Sammy's Cameras. And I called them and they had microphones. So then I had to Uber there and, you know, then Uber back. It just, I ended up my one day in Disneyland. I spent four hours dealing with the microphone issue. And then that was the first night of the expo, like with the preview uh, for media and press. So I went back into Disneyland after finally fixing my camera, got like two food items and then had to run to the expo, did all that. And then I got like an hour at the end of the night in the park. So I, I listen, I loved being there. I got my fill of splash mountain. Never need to do it again. Now, uh, got my fair share in of haunted mansion holiday, jumped on Nemo to see how they spruce that up. Ate some good food. I, I really can't complain, uh, about what happened. I can only blame myself, but yeah, that was, that was my one time in Disneyland and oh, I it was memorable. You. I was there that day. But by the time I got there, there were, they had only a few buttons left. The ears were long gone. So they must not have had many. And I didn't see that many people wearing them in the park. So I thought, how many ears did they have to get yeah. out for D23 or D Disney, Disney Plus Day? And, uh, but I did get a pin. In fact, I got a couple of pins that they were like giving us out everywhere. And then, um, I had a good time. I was disappointed with, well, the number of times attractions went down. And then also, um, the, uh, Splash Mountain, um, some of the scenes, the lights were out when I yeah. wrote it. And that was disappointing. And so, but otherwise, I'm glad I went on it, saw it, you know, before it, it I don't know exactly when it's going down for, it, um, being it's transformed. Yeah. It's not looking good though. I will say that. No. That's the one thing that bummed me out is like, I was hoping, 
I was hoping it would look good for the final time that I, I could get video on it, most likely, and it just, it did not look good. It just, so much props not working, bad lighting. It, it was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, um, anyway, but I, but I had a good time. I always have a fun time because then, and I was able to share it with, you know, friends and, and all that, hanging out with people. And everything. So, um, you know, and, and of course now I always like to share what I'm watching for Halloween. That, that, that Marvel werewolf, was it werewolf after dark or something? Werewolf Is that only by one night. E- werewolf by night. Is that only one episode? Yep. Just a standalone little oh, short. Oh, I wanted to know what happened next. I loved it. Yeah. By the it's way. So good. So good. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. No, I, I think uh, they will explore more in the future, but. I, it's a test of like a one-off special. It's perfect. It's good, but I thought, okay, now, now what are these characters going to do together? There's still, there were, there were a couple things that we were left hanging with yeah, well, that I want to know about. We want to know how long it takes the, the one servant to clean up all of the, uh, all of the mess that oh, was left yes, behind. That's true. So, so that's what I want anyway. from the next one. <laughs> but but a lot of my non-Disney ones that I watch, they do have a Disney connection. I forgot to mention last week, and I mentioned I watched The Birds. If you look in the credits, you'll see Ub Iwerks did the special effects for it. And and the, and then the film won an Academy Award for special effects. Um, when they wanted to do just a little thing on it, on what Ub's role was, they there was a lot of um, what we would have called back in the day, like blue screen, grease screen. Um, action, like, you know, the running down the hill scenes that I was in. Um, some of that was done in bodega. Some was in bodega because that's where the school is, is in, but was, was in bodega bay, was in bodega on a hill. But the other end of the hill, we're running down where the, um, the tides restaurant is. That's in bodega bay. So we had to run up and down those hills on different days, multiple times. And then. Some of us back on the sound stage were on this treadmill and we were running and that was for the close-ups with the birds and stuff. And they did the problem with the, like the blue screens, the time they bled. Um, and you see that in some of the movies of the era. Well, they didn't want that, but Ub Iwerks had created this sodium process that they'd used in Mary Poppins and other films later on where um, the ba- the people in the background didn't bleed into each other. So Universal contacted Disney because Disney was the only one that had this process and said, can we, can you help us out? And so they lent up iWorks over to do, to do that, to do the special effects for the birds. So, of course, I didn't know any of that stuff. It wasn't until years <laughs> later I knew that. Yeah. But that's cool. And then I watched, this is a movie I'd only seen when I was a boy, when it was on Creature Features, which I think everybody had a version of Creature Features on TV when they were growing up, where it's usually a host and they showed like terrible horror movies on a Saturday night or a Friday night or both in some cases. We still have it running up here. Um but it's called um, House on Haunted Hill, that 1959 Vincent Price film. Mm-hmm. It's so as it's as it's as good as I remember it yeah. <laughs> back in the day. But of course, he was the voice of Radigan 
in The Great Mouse Detective. And then I watched The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I always forget that um, Mr. Toad, t- part of it takes place at Christmas time. Yeah. So you get Christmas and Halloween in there. You do. But- I actually, mm-hmm. I this year, I, I, I will watch Mr. Toad at some point in time, but I always get so... I get tired after watching Mr. Toad. Like it's a mm-hmm. great short on its own. I know it's not long enough to stand as a movie, but it's you know it it does feel like a full experience. That by the time I get to to uh, the headless horseman and Ichabod, I'm like I I almost am out of energy to watch anymore. So yeah, this year I, I just watch, started with the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch it with just Ichabod sometimes. And then, of course, I watched It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, because I'm old enough to remember when it first aired. And it was an event because they didn't rerun it and all that. So, you know, every kid in town or in the country was watching this show. And, of course, they incorporated the sponsors sometimes into the animation. So that, of course, was always Coca-Cola and Dolly Madison Cakes. (laughs) And so... um I remember, because now they've had to do cuts, and I remember even when it was, okay, that was the Coca-Cola promo. Okay, that's where they talked about Dolly Madison and all of that, because, you know, I just watch this every year so many times. That's great. So Yeah, so it's funny. So have you been watching any Halloween films? I have not, no. I uh, I watched Werewolf by Night uh, for a second time because it's that good. And that's that's it. No, I don't don't think I've watched anything. It's been so, like, I've had little things on here and there. Like, I did watch a little bit of... um, of House on Haunted Hill the other day, and I really, I want to get, um, I want to clear out my schedule for at least like two nights, uh, because, uh, Mike Flanagan has his new Netflix show, Midnight Club, and I love, I love everything he's done in the past with Me too, Haunting of Hill House and Blind yes. Manor and Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This one, if, if I've seen the promos and all that, it feels like it's more geared for younger people. Did, so I haven't put that on my list yet, but yet I love all his other stuff. Yeah, and I, I kind of had that same feeling to it. I think I'm still going to end up loving it, and so that's that's the next big thing that I want to sit down and watch. I'm it's I'm enjoying Halloween and like like we kind of talked about at the beginning. I'm I, I'm I'm enjoying seeing my neighbors with their decorations up and I've been listening to the music, but it's finding the time to sit down and watch the movies has just been too difficult right now, yeah. unfortunately. Oh well well hopefully you get a chance to watch those. Yeah I might still watch that Mike Flanagan series. I'll have to do that. Anyway, but Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me on the different shows I'm on, the Diz Unplugged Podcast Network. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. And you can find me, uh, not find me, I screw that up every other week. You can email me, Craig at DisneyInfo.com. What about you, Michael? Oh, I forgot to mention, there's a Disney tie-in to It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Bill Melendez. Worked on those. He started out at Disney. Yep. 
Just so yep. that you know. So there you go. Okay. You can send me messages at Michael Bowling at DisneyInfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling dash connecting with Walto. I'll start posting some of my, um, Halloween videos, some Oogie Boogie Bash and stuff, um, coming up this week on that page. Instagram at Michael Bowling the Diz, and you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt. If you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes. On the link Craig includes in our show notes or DisneyUnplugged.com, and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon Podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. 